Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I'm your host, Isaac Wolf, and I want to jump in straight to the hot topics for today. Um, now that the uh, rosters are almost uh, officially made up for each of the teams, I want to talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. We can now argue that now that we know what stars are um, where, we can argue who's the better team in LA. Um, both will be at the top of the conference uh, next year, I think. Um, but when it comes to who's better, I go with the Clippers. And the reason I say that is because they have a better supporting cast. Uh, coming off the bench, you have the reigning sixth man of the year in Lou Williams. Uh, you have a finalist for last year's sixth man of the year award in Montrez Harrell. Ivica Zubats, who I think a lot of people don't really know about, um, is rapidly improving, and he will probably be the starting center, uh, assuming they bring Harrell off the bench again. Uh, Landry Shamit, who had that surprise rookie season uh, last year, will be back for them. Uh, I think he's ready to have a really good second year. Uh, and the Clippers also re-signed Patrick Beverly, who is one of the best perimeter defenders uh, in the game. He is uh, just a pest on defense, uh, and obviously uh, other players are annoyed by it, but he loves it. So um, they have him. Uh, he will probably start at that point guard spot for them next year uh, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander gone. Another underrated acquisition for them, in my opinion, is Maurice Harkless. They acquired him through the Jimmy Butler sign-and-trade, uh, but he is a terrific defender. Uh, when he was on the Trailblazers, he was usually the guy asked to guard the other team's best player. Uh, but now with Kawhi, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly uh, on the team, he might fall to the fourth option on defense because uh, all those three guys are all great defenders as well. That is going to be a very tough defensive team next year uh, so he should be great uh, guarding uh, guys that are not as good as he guarded last year uh, when he was already a terrific defender guarding the guarding the best on each team that he faced the Clippers also have a great coach uh, coach of the year award finalist last season in Doc Rivers uh, he is going to do a great job with this team I think next year he'll have everybody healthy come playoff time um, I'm sure he'll have Kawhi Leonard do some, have some more load management. Um, and that's when, uh, during the playoffs, you do not want to play those guys in April, May, and June of next year. Oh, yeah, and on top of all that, they have the reigning finals MVP that just they dethroned a, uh, dynasty, uh, in Kawhi Leonard. We know how great he is. And, oh yeah, they also got this guy, uh, Paul George, who was an MVP finalist last season uh, and is one of the, the top two-way players in our league. Both of those guys can get it done on both ends better than anyone. I think they are both top three, uh, maybe even top two two-way players in the league. They might be the two best at that category. So let's look at what the Lakers have. We know they have LeBron and AD, two top six players in the league, uh, but they don't have what the Clippers have in terms of what is surrounding the two superstars. The Clippers have the same amount of superstars as they do. However, the Clippers have more uh, in terms of what comes off the bench, uh, what starts with them. Um, the best player besides those two, LeBron and AD, is probably Kyle Kuzma, uh, who will be a very good player next year. Some may argue it's DeMarcus Cousins, but 
um, he needs to prove to me first that he is uh, back and healthy before I label him as a uh, third star. The Lakers did address the shooting issue a little bit and got some shooters. Uh, Danny Green is a terrific shooter. Quinn Cook um, has a lot of confidence when he shoots it, and he shoots it well. Um, And Troy Daniels is a good shooter. Um, Also, Jared Dudley is that kind of that stretch big for them as well, Um, and AD can do that too. Um, But I still don't think it's enough around LeBron and AD to top the Clippers. It will be quite a scene at Staples Center uh, when those two play each other next year. It doesn't matter uh, if the court has the Lakers logo or the Clippers logo. There will be um, the same amount of Lakers and Clippers fans in the building no matter what, uh, who, who is considered as the home team that given night. I want to move on to some free agent moves. Uh, free agency moves that have happened. Uh, we have now learned the full details of Kawhi Leonard's contract with the Clippers. It's three years for $103 million, and he has a player option for the third season. So, he and Paul George can possibly hit the market in 2021. Not only that, but Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James could also be free agents during the summer of 2021 that's obviously a couple years away but it's still fun to think about uh, all the possible moves that could uh, go on that summer we've had we had we've had one of the craziest summers this year uh 2021 could top it uh, kevin durant's official contract details have been released as well uh four years 164 million dollars with a player option after the third year That is a year after, I believe that's 2022, I believe that's a year after um, all those guys in 2021 are available. The Clippers also re-signed Jermichael Green to a two-year $10 million deal. The Suns officially waived Kyle Korver, uh, and I've heard that the Lakers, 76ers, and Bucks are interested in him. Uh, The Warriors have waived Sean Livingston. This shocked me. Sean has been an important part of the Warriors' championship runs the past five years. Uh, He is still a really good player. Uh, Whoever picks him up is getting a very versatile player. Um, Can switch multiple positions on defense. Uh, Maybe the best mid-range shooter in the game. That is his bread and butter. He's a quality playmaker as well. Great veteran presence um, in the locker room. Uh, So whoever picks him up is going to get a great veteran addition at that point guard position. Uh, He can play big minutes. Uh, He can play. He can start for you if it's needed, uh, but he's more likely more after coming off the bench. Um, So he can do uh, either role, uh, which is obviously uh, helpful, that flexibility. Marcus Morris may sign with the Knicks after reconsidering his deal with the Spurs. So the Spurs could lose a very talented player. Uh, And Marcus Morris, Uh, we will see what happens with that. I want to move on uh, to the pay gap between NBA and NFL players. This is something I was uh, listening to uh, on the Lefkoe show uh, yesterday, and it just... It just blew my mind. We have seen NFL stars react to NBA guys getting huge deals. TJ Ward, a safety who is currently a free agent, tweeted out, quote, We getting peanuts compared to these NBA and MLB cats. 
Whoa. Lions cornerback Darius Slay tweeted, quote, Man, what a time to be alive to be an NBA bench player. That is true. Uh, I want to put this in perspective for you. On the Lefkoe show, Adam Lefkoe uh, gave some examples of who's making more or less guaranteed money than uh, in the NFL compared to the NBA. Listen to some of these comparisons. Nick Batum of the Charlotte Hornets is making more guaranteed money than any player in the NFL. Tobias Harris is making two Khalil Max. And besides Aaron Donald, we're talking the best defensive player in football, maybe. Aaron Donald is obviously number one, um, but Khalil Mack is a force on defense as well. Uh, Andrew Wiggins uh, is making three times as much as DeAndre Hopkins, who is certainly a top three wide receiver in the league. Landon Collins, who recently signed a quote-unquote big deal, uh, is making one-fourth of Chris Middleton's salary. One-fourth. That's 25%. Antonio Brown, the best wide receiver in the league, in my opinion, is making less than Jeremy Lamb. Just signed a three-year, $30 million deal, I believe it was, with the Indiana Pacers this offseason. He is making more money than the best wide receiver. Wide receiver is a very important position in football. And he's making more. Jeremy Lamb, most likely the sixth man or a guy coming off the bench for the Pacers, is making more than the best wide receiver in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's another DeAndre Hopkins uh, comparison. He is making less than Kelly Olenek. Some of these stats just blew my mind, but none as much as this next one. Blake Griffin. Yes, he is a very good player. Superstar, all-star. Um... But he is getting paid the same as 10 Christian McCaffreys. Which means he is getting paid 10 times as much as Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a running back on the rise. He is going to be a very good player uh, in these next few years. Uh, he's, a, he's an incredible uh, runner. And he can't, he's a passing threat as well. Um... So he is very versatile, and he's going to be very good in these next few years. Um, but Blake Griffin is getting paid 10 times what Christian McCaffrey is. Chris Paul is getting paid 10 times what Patrick Mahomes is. Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP, maybe, besides Tom Brady, who people might give the edge to, maybe not necessarily last season, but uh, could be the best player in the NFL. And Chris Paul, who is an aging veteran, he's still very good. Um, is getting paid 10 times what he is. Odell Beckham Jr., who just got traded to the Browns this offseason. Odell Beckham is making the same amount of money as Jan Mahimi. How many of you knew how many of you know who that is? Jan Mahimi. He's a backup center for the Washington Wizards. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now. Odell Beckham. Top three wide receiver in the league. Maybe. So, here you go. So, here you go. Brown, number one. Hopkins and Odell up for number two. And Odell is making as much as Jan Mahimi. Are you serious? Of course, he said, quote, We wonder why Zeke, uh, he's talking about Ezekiel Elliott here, running back for the Dallas Cowboys, is demanding a new contract. 
He's making less than Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz, I think, is still on a rookie contract. This just shows how wide the divide in pay between the two sports really is. And it sort of makes sense now, doesn't it? Why NFL players keep reacting to the big NBA deals like they do. It's because Otto Porter Jr. is making more guaranteed money than Carson Wentz or Russell Wilson. That's just hard to fathom. Two professional sports, but the difference in pay is really mind-boggling. I just, I just wanted to share that with you. Moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. They did not know that Kevin Durant was signing with them. Nets GM Sean Marks revealed that Durant announced he was going to come to Brooklyn. Uh, he revealed that Durant announced he was coming to Brooklyn without talking to them. This shows how much Kyrie had to do with it. Like, he didn't need to talk to them. Whatever Kyrie was doing, that's what he would do too. Um, before the injury, I got the feeling that Kevin Durant was in the driver's seat of where those two went. My guess is it would have been New York. If Kevin Durant was in the driver's seat. However, that injury put Kyrie Irving in the driver's seat in uh, deciding where they were going to play next season. And Kyrie chose Brooklyn. So that is that. I find that pretty interesting. David Griffin went on SiriusXM Radio and said he thinks that Drew Holiday is capable of being the MVP. He referenced Steve Nash, how nobody thought he was going to be an MVP and ended up winning it twice. He said, quote, sometimes you just need to be given permission to dominate people. Look, this is Drew's team next year. Some people may say it's Zion's. And it could be. If Drew does not take that next step and act like this is his team, this team does what he wants. This team follows his lead. Um, but Drew's still a very good player. He still puts up very good numbers, quality numbers, a valuable contributor in this league. Uh, and he knows that this is his team the upcoming season. He's not hiding in the shadow of Anthony Davis anymore. He's got his own team. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he does with his own team next year. MVP? Probably not. Um, but I think that he is ready to take that next step um, and lead this team. Uh, the NBA will be adding challenge flags this year. There was a rule change announced last night. They tested it in the Summer League for the past two years, and the Board of Governors approved it for next season. This will be so interesting, because each coach will have one challenge flag per game, and according to Tim Reynolds, can con or contest a personal foul charged to their team, a, a called-out-of-bounds violation, a goaltending violation, or a basket interference violation. So they can, uh, they can challenge fouls, out-of-bounds calls, goaltending, and uh, offensive basket interference. NBA basketball president, uh, or excuse me, NBA basketball operations president Byron Sproul told teams, quote, as with other replay reviews, in order to overturn the event uh, as called on the floor, there must be clear and conclusive visual evidence that the call was incorrect. So there must, uh, it must be obvious that they got it wrong. Look, we see so many coaches argue Basically, what seems like every call that doesn't go their way, which seems like every single call uh, of the game. Uh, but this, I believe, will show how often they really believe it's a bad call. With just one challenge flag, they have to be careful which one they argue uh, and which ones they don't. Personally, I would save that thing until the fourth quarter of a close game until it's a momentum sw uh, 
Uh, I, I would save it till late fourth quarter in a close game. Um, but if it's not close, potentially a momentum swinging play earlier in the game you could maybe use it on. Um, but yeah, I expect the majority of these to be used in the fourth quarter. Another thing that could be a result of this is the pace of the game. Uh, it's going to take extra time to review the calls, which can slow down the game. It may drag it out a little bit. One guy who I think will benefit from this is James Hart. While he does get a lot of calls, there are still a lot missed on him as well. Uh, in the series with the Warriors this past season, uh, conference semifinals, Clay Thompson uh, was defending Harden uh, and landed in uh, Harden's landing space multiple times during Game 1, and they didn't call it. Um, that could have won the Rockets the game, and I'll tell you why. Mike D'Antoni at halftime of that game went and talked to the refs about Thompson getting in Harden's landing space, and the refs admitted they missed four. Four of those calls. That's 12 points if Harden makes all his free throws, which he usually does, uh, because all those missed calls were on three-point shots. The Rockets lost the game by four. Four points. If Harden even makes five of 12 free throws, that is under 50%. This is a guy who shoots 86-88% uh, on a yearly basis. The Rockets win that game, and the series completely changes. So James Harden, whenever he feels a hit or feels like the refs didn't see something, he's going to tell Mike D'Antoni, and D'Antoni will, will throw that flag. So this is good for Harden, but terrible for every team playing against him that night. We will see if this is a one-year trial thing or if, uh, if it's successful enough, it could be permanent. To wrap up today, this day in NBA history in 1975, the 76ers signed forward George McGinnis after Commissioner Larry O'Brien revoked the contract McGinnis had signed with the New York Knicks. Uh, happy birthday to new uh, Los Angeles Laker, Jared Dudley, and we will be back tomorrow with another podcast.